Today I'm talking to Christopher Bear, design lead at Impala. Impala is a remote first B2B startup in travel industry in Europe. We talk about Chris's journey in the design world and some key takeaways from his career. We also discuss the pros and cons of hiring generalists versus specialists and um, some consequences of these decisions and why so many companies, especially startups, look for unicorns. Chris shares what kind of side projects he finds more valuable in portfolio and gives some tips on how to design your resume and case study structure. And many more useful tips on getting a job in UX. Hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for, for taking time and joining me on this episode. It's a real pleasure. Thank you very much for inviting me on. Let's start with your overview of, of your current role and the company and um, what do you do there? Yeah, so right now I am heading up the product design team at travel startup Impala. Um, we're uh, a B2B uh, API platform company working in the hotel space, um, which brings its own unique challenges um, around, you know, how do you, how do you incorporate design um, and also just building out a team um, so whilst my, my job title is nominally design lead, um, I'm also responsible for scaling the team up, deciding on, you know, uh, how we approach our, our design tasks and looking at kind of a lot of process and, uh, and interdepartmental, uh, ways of working. Sounds cool. And, uh, where are you located? Uh, well, so Impala is a remote first company. Uh, I'm currently based in, uh, well, I usually make the joke of sunny Edinburgh in Scotland. <laughs> it's uh, quite gloomy right now, but hey, you know, leaning into the, the Scottish brand right there. Um, but I mean, we, we have people uh, all over Europe, um, which I think is, is a really great way to bring a lot of different uh, perspectives into the team. That's amazing. Yeah, I agree. Uh, having more flexible policies on diversity of locations and cultures definitely br can bring more value from the uh, from the diverse point of view perspective. Love Absolutely. Uh, let's talk about your story. And um, I want to know why did you decide to go this way and uh, do design uh, for uh, as a part of your role? And uh, yeah, so t t tell me how, how did you get started in the industry? Yeah, so... Um... As a kid, I, I was always drawing um, rather than uh, <laughs> rather than drawing necessarily like pictures of, you know, uh, meadows and uh, families and everything. I used to draw uh, data sheets for cars and, you know, very uh, intricate typography, uh, hand hand lettered, a logo. So, you know, maybe from that age, design was kind of an obvious path. But for me, I, I had no idea what to do once I left school and ended up falling into uh, a graphic design course at my uh, my local college. Uh, ostensibly because uh, in a choice between illustration and design, uh, whilst I loved illustration, uh, I didn't want to do what I loved um, as a as a day job. Um, there we go. Ended up doing exactly that. Um, but yeah, from from there, like uh, like graphic design for me, you know, was the closest analog to the the way that I like to to be creative. And my understanding of, uh, of UX design as a as a direction was I, I had no idea it was there. So after I graduated, um, I ended up going off and working at a newspaper and uh, starting off producing um, a wonderful uh, acronym BMDs, births, marriages and deaths. Uh, so tiny little um, three centimeter square uh, adverts 
that go into the newspaper and talk about, you know, so-and-so's got married. Um, and from there, really kind of scaled up, uh, doing more print work, moving into uh, the, the digital market and newspaper. And, you know, this was back in the day when, uh, when flash adverts were a thing. Um, and it was really that kind of digital work that pushed me to learn more about computers, to learn more about uh, web design and producing, you know, something that was more than just like a little banner to actually produce the websites that these banners went on. Um, I got really lucky that a friend of mine from college owned a computer shop down the road and he had a web web developer in residence. And that was really my, my first opportunity to start designing websites. Um, and this was back in the day when, you know, this was all done in Photoshop and um, hand, handing over was sending over a JPEG. Um, <laughs> but from from there and really building up that experience of, of doing live projects and you know, putting as much gloss and filters on a button as I could manage. Um, I got my my break working at a, a marketing agency um, to to join as a graphic designer, but actually ended up doing a lot of wireframing, UX, and and build as well. Um, and you know, this is not anything that's going to necessarily put a proper web developer to shame, but building uh, building WordPress sites, sitting down with clients, and discussing you know the usability of their uh, of their website. Um, and I think that kind of gradual move from from graphic design into UX design uh, continued through to my role at Skyscanner. Amazing opportunity where I got to work with a lot of other um, a lot of other designers initially doing like UI design. You know, again, the the old processes that look so uh, embarrassing now, um, where you know we we get the wireframes from from one team on the other side of the building, we'd add our our layer on top. But uh, I think that the big break was working with uh, with the amazing uh, Brian and Steph Rieger, uh, who who joined uh, the design team and really kind of upended what it meant to be a designer. And I think that was where my my passion for what I suppose is now product design really came across. Um, so they they really pushed the idea that designers should be working hand in glove with engineers, that we should be understanding the opportunities of our medium. So whether that's web or native. Um, we did start working with uh, with Angular um, and coding. I mean, this this was also the the, the period of time where uh, the the unicorn designer was a thing, and you know, hey, designers should be coding the front end. Um, and whilst you know, like obviously, I I don't think I have an idea of like what a designer should do, but for me, I, I really enjoyed that, like getting a chance to to have much more of an engagement with the engineers of my team. And I, I cut my teeth working with an amazing uh, amazing UX designer, Jackie Hunter. Um, and, you know, we, we really complemented each other. So I learned so much about UX design from her. Um, I was looking after the, the UI on like the, the core part of the, the Skyscanner website, um, the, the results view. Um, and yeah, really kind of like working with the engineers there to, to rummage around in the front end code, um, hand in the air. I did accidentally crash conversion for the, uh, the hotel part of the website once. That's uh, <laughs> Yeah, if you've ever done an interview and you've had that, like, what is the biggest mistake you've made? <laughs> that is absolutely the answer that I would give. Um, but yeah, like that, that to me, like that, that working with other people and learning from them has been the kind of fundamental tent pegs of, of when I've seen my career develop and when I've kind of gone from, you know, thinking I, you know, I'm going to work in this way to learning that there are other ways of working. And fast forwarding from from there, from Skyscanner through to uh, to Calusa and working in the energy market, and now Impala, um, I, I've seen kind of my my career develop from, 
the the more I see like you know doing stuff um, role into to mentoring, coaching, and managing, um, and then really thinking about like how does a design team work. Um, but I think for me, like always, always trying to question, you know, how is the best way to work, and um, how should I be learning from others is is the way that I've tried to to think so that I can really update and and keep my skills current. Yeah, that sounds. Yeah, lots of lots of back there, especially like the flash memories. <laughs> yeah, I of, would. Yeah, definitely I wouldn't know what to do. <laughs> definitely resonated and uh, brought some memories, uh, and it's kind of interesting how I feel like maybe my, my personal expectation, but the way you describe it, like I think we're aligned here that the. The expected process and really how to design things have changed so much since that phase of the industry. But now it's kind of really hard to imagine uh, how we used to do it like the other way, the the non-collaborative way, so to say, like it's a bit more siloed and just kind of, yeah, throwing the wireframes to the other team and like the other team takes care of it. So like this approach sounds, uh, feels very incorrect today but we used to like it was the norm there uh, at that time right so it's kind of interesting how things change uh but yeah like sounds like that you really went through many different steps and different industries and different roles and um yeah kind of interesting to to hear how how your even your personal definition of what designer is and what it like what the the value designer can bring uh has been maturing over these years so it's it's pretty cool i i think it would be it would be pertinent to kind of touch on some of what you were saying around, you know, the, maybe not the waterfall part of it, but the, the specialisms part of design. So in the past, I think that there was much more opportunity for somebody to be, you know, a really, really good UX designer who then worked with a really, really good UI designer who then worked with, you know, a front end engineer who, you know, may have some design skills. And I think that what's maybe not changed so much, like the process absolutely has changed the expectations of collaboration you're absolutely right but i feel like this notion that you know we have to be shallow t-shaped rather than like you know deeply almost like i-shaped designers um is is quite an interesting one i'm still not convinced um that it's necessarily the right way to go i i think that absolutely the way that people collaborate the way people um take ownership of a project and work together has changed fundamentally. And I'm really glad, you know, part of that's tools-based, part of that's the maturity of design as a discipline. But I, I worry that we're losing the space for really, really strong specialists. And I think that decoupling the the notion that, you know, you, you have a team who works well together and who is, who is strongly aligned with the idea that a designer, you, you know, you should be able to take a designer and put them on any project in the company and they should be able to work in exactly the same way and they should be able to pick up you know everything from uh you know service design through to ui design mm-hmm. is a little worrying there's always room for these kinds of uh, roles and uh, you know as somebody who ostensibly aspires to be that kind of designer I, you know i'd hope that, that role continues to exist but i think that we shouldn't we shouldn't punish people who go really deep and do really well at one thing because Actually, it's a massive loss to a company if you don't have those people because there are always going to be very specific problems. And I think it's it's a responsibility of a good manager, a good leader of a design team 
to first of all know if they need that kind of person and then to, to put them to the best use um, if they find that they've got those kind of people. Yeah, and I think this is this is a great insight. I completely agree. Um, I have also mixed feelings on this T-shaped or now it's, I think, like <laughs> M-shaped or like W-shaped, like whatever, like multiple <laughs> things uh, in one spectrum um, uh, reality and like expectations. So, and I actually thought about this a while ago and I was kind of curious, I was questioning like why this is happening, like really curious to understand the, the underlying reasons for that. And I talked to quite a few companies and uh, quite a few, I guess, hiring managers who, uh, or recruiters who would be really kind of uh, more involved in the in the role definition and job descriptions and all this stuff to really understand like why this is happening. And my conclusion so far is that it's just the like the the market the new market reality when many more companies start and like it's it's been happening for the last few years obviously um uh, and it's also a good thing on the other hand so the more companies realize that they need designers and more companies really kind of getting into this this uh, market of hiring their first designer and in most cases those companies are especially with the startups and all this kind of the tech boom right so they just need one person who can do everything, and uh, with the hope that maybe if the if the company succeeds and it starts growing, they will be able to expand the team. But the vast majority of the openings that I've seen, like in smaller markets like Vancouver, where, where I'm from, and uh, actually quite a few cities in in uh, in the states, especially the Silicon Valley, when the number of startups like exceeds anything else, uh, exceeds the number of people, I guess, <laughs> living there, um, it's. Uh, it's not surprising that uh, these companies are just gonna, obviously they're on a budget, so they cannot really hire like really deep specialists. And because if you need to, if you go with the specialist route, right, you would have to have multiple people in this team who would own each of those verticals uh, across like the whole design spectrum, design process spectrum. So I end this, like I empathize with their situation that they want to get like one person who can do everything. Uh, some would do everything, but like at least some specialty in in a field. Uh, but yeah, I think it's just kind of the market reacts to that. And it's now like the, the demand is higher for, for those folks who, who like from A to Z, like the whole thing. And obviously you cannot be a deep expert in every single stage step of the process, uh, at the same time. So it's kind of, yeah, I don't think it's realistic to expect that, but it's kind of like this inside this realization. And after I talked to, to those folks, um, kind of. Help me empathize a bit more with why this is happening, at least. Mm. Um, and I, I, am I happy about this? I, I, I'm not sure that I am, but it's kind of also understandable why this is happening. And um, the secondary trend that I have seen, um, obviously not every company, but some of those uh, companies who start with one person whom, whom they expect to do everything, is that like as soon as it starts growing, um, this person... And assuming that that they they're senior enough to kind of know what they're doing, uh, they would start building this practice and this design team within the team, and actually going a bit more specialized in some cases. Uh, lots of uh, like the big trend that I'm seeing right now, especially with all these online content companies, like when it's just like a part of every company now becomes uh, this marketing piece with content. So, and like also the UX writing for the products, right? So it's Content strategy and UX writer is like one of those specialties in addition to user research, uh, whom I, I, I actually seen quite a few companies hire dedicated uh, specialists for that, which 
frankly, I love because UX writing is not my primary strength, which but it should be. <laughs> I mean, it should be like a much, much, I should be much better here. But that, uh, yeah, I agree. Like it's definitely the, the bigger market trend is that T-shaped is the, is the way to go. Like lots of companies hire for this. But with the time, those companies, they kind of progress and mature uh, to, to realize the value of this, of having like a deeper specialty in different fields. And uh, yeah, it's slower, obviously. It's kind of more delayed um, uh, change, but uh, it's happening. It's happening. I kind of, I'm, I'm a bit more optimistic on that, uh, but I agree. I agree. Like it feels better when you work with like deep experts in, in different fields. And obviously they're not like completely ignorant to everything that happens outside of their expertise, uh, but definitely, yeah. And it's easy to build trust when you're just definitely the expert uh, in this particular uh, vertical, that's totally true. No, I agree, and and I think it a lot of the issue as well stems from the ratios that you have within any kind of company. So, if it's you know like say four product managers, two designers, and you know seventy or eighty engineers, yeah. like if you bring in an engineer and you're like, okay, uh, I need this person to to do really well in this area. Um, if that problem goes away or if the company focus shifts, you can usually repurpose that person. You've got a broad enough team that you can kind of balance and, and relearn. If you've got one designer or two designers um, and you've brought in somebody who has a very strong UX focus and then you suddenly need to revamp the UI. Um, you know, this is not something um, that, that can be done overnight. This is not something where you have to, um, you know, hey, you know, we'll just do this job and then that's that's it done. Like UI design done right requires somebody to to be able to understand a lot of like how a good ui is put together um but you know if that's a whole new hire like you know you've reached your hiring budget for designers um then it's a bigger ask to add one more designer into that team that is to add one more engineer um so like i i can understand why teams want to have somebody t-shaped because it's better to have somebody who uh can do like four things than than three things, you know, that's like <laughs> bang for your buck. Um, but I think I would question, you know, like companies, certainly like scale-ups and startups should understand uh, from a market point of view, where they're going to have impact. Like, is it about a highly usable product? Is it about a highly attractive product? Um, you know, especially for like a, an API company. And we're starting to see a lot of, you know, what were companies who produced a product now thinking more about like fundamentally like powering a platform, powering an API. Is somebody who can, you know, think about the service part of things, like, are they going to be more valuable overall? Um, and I think a lot of it stems from the fact, that, you know, you talked about like a company making their first design hire, like the person who has to make that decision, the person who has to write the job description, who has to do the, the interviews, um, is going to be basing a lot of their decisions about like designs or designers they've worked with in the past. Um, there's, there's something that says, you know, like um, whoever design reports into like whoever the most senior person design reports into is ultimately the head of design um and i think that's a really fair point it's like you know you can have a company where there's like a, a you know four senior designers two junior designers and somebody who is ostensibly like a director but if they're reporting into the head of product then product ultimately decides the direction of design um and i think that you know that that can really affect the perception of, uh, of where that, that designer is going to start working because somebody can be T-shaped um, and they can be weaker maybe in like, you know, product planning, it could be weaker in front end. And what's naturally going to happen is the engineers and the product managers are just going to fill that gulf. And that person is going to 
you know, theoretically be a T-shaped designer, but they're actually going to occupy a much smaller part of that uh, that surface area than if they'd hired for the very specific problem that design is solving and we're able to think about their end-to-end process in that way. Um, so yeah, I, I think that whilst T-shape looks like an attractive thing when you're writing a, a job spec and you know, if anybody's written one, it's a lot easier to, to add things than it is to remove them. Um, but yeah, I think that's something I've, I've found. Uh, thinking through all your previous steps and learnings, what you wish you knew when, if you were to start a career today, like what kind of key takeaways from the industry from, I guess, different roles, maybe some red flags or any tips that you could share here? Yeah, I think it's it's an interesting one for me to be doling out advice. Like, I, I'm not going to beat around the bush. You know, I'm an English-speaking straight white guy. Like, my my uh, path in uh, in design uh, or in the tech industry is is very much, like, influenced by by that kind of, uh, you know, and it's always going to give me an easier time than a lot of different people from, from other backgrounds. And it's something which I've, you know, people have asked me this question before, like, hey, you know, what, what advice would you give me? Like, what tips are there? And I think the part that I find really difficult is separating, um, separating luck, uh, luck of the draw from actual tangible steps. Um, Certainly, I think the things that have advanced me in my career have been like always trying to find new ways to apply what I what I was interested in. You know, like as I was saying, like going from um, a newspaper where everybody else, you know, was was uh, certainly stronger designers than me, but not people who are necessarily as interested in like trying new things or picking up uh, new technologies. And you know, certainly we're we're in a world where uh, we have blockchain, we have you know all the Web three kind of technologies and. Now, whilst I'll certainly stake my my side of things, I think the whole crypto uh, industry is uh, concerning at best. Um, I do also think that you know having somebody who like being a person who is interested in in understanding technology and interested in thinking about like how their career can change and um, you know trying to always learn new things is going to really do well if you can find a way to apply that in an existing role. Um, I think it's a very different thing if you're learning exclusively of the role you're in. You know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that a piece of good advice and thing that you know um, would have stood me in better stead was trying to learn things independently of a job. I think you can be in a position in a company and say like, how can I learn things which will improve uh, my standing in the company? Learn things which will improve uh, the the business, but. I'm not sure that doing that kind of learning independently and then trying to pitch that in interviews would have been as successful. Um, and so I think about like a lot of the effort and that I put into like, you know, building building websites for fun or designing websites for fun, like as much as it was, uh, it's really nerdy, therapeutic to write CSS at one in the morning. Um, I don't think that that's something that I would say to people, like don't burn yourself out doing personal projects think about how you can show that you excel in your current role. Yeah, I think it's definitely a great advice. And uh, I've heard this a lot, this, I guess, similar note from many hiring managers and many recruiters who interview for designers, that any real work experience will beat any of the side projects. And obviously, there is a huge value to the side projects. Like I'm on on the fence here, because I feel that, yeah, it's not as as like it's not the same. It, it doesn't bring the same value to your profile as a potential candidate. 
from their point of view. But on the other hand, I've heard that some people actually, and I agree with this, they perceive the side projects as a as a signal that you're a doer and not a talker. Mm-hmm. That basically, if you see a problem, and especially if you if it's not like some hypothetical imaginary project, but like a real problem that you're trying to solve with this side project, then it's 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 yeah, it's pretty good signal that that if you see something's broken within the company, if they hire you, that you will not uh, just miss it, and you will kind of you will. St- at least try to attempt to do something. And it's really kind of more like bias for action, as uh, some companies call it, um, which many companies actually appreciate, especially with like the startup mentality and like they kind of really, you don't know what, what kind of role you'll be doing tomorrow just because you have like multiple hats um, uh, that you have to, uh, to, to work as. And um, yeah, so I agree. But like again, like it's it's kind of catch twenty two with uh, how do you get the like the especially for junior folks? How can you really show this uh, that you can excel at your current job if you haven't got one yet? <laughs> no, it's it's an absolutely fair piece of criticism, and um, I, I I absolutely agree with you as well around the types of projects you do. Um, I think you know if, if your folio is full of people who've redesigned Spotify, redesigned Facebook, yeah. like. That, you know that's that's not design work that's uh that's usually a very controversial statement here and i apologize to anybody who does this and enjoys <laughs> it but like i would say that in the majority of cases that's more of a, a piece of artwork than it is necessarily a design task because you know you're you're not working with the constraints you're not working with something where uh you know you understand the research and all that sort of thing um and you know that might produce a really nice piece of uh, visual design work but i don't think that that's going to be something where uh, you know as a hiring manager you can look at that and say oh great you know that's better than the facebook that is this right now i think that as you say if you've gone off and you've done a side project that's like um yeah, you know, I, I wanted to, uh, I, I find it really hard to find my bank cards. So like I tried to, you know, uh, in, a, in a week, think of a design that helps me find my bank cards. Um, like not every problem has to be solved with an app. And I think that's something that, you know, worldwide we should think about. And that, like, if somebody is trying to solve a problem independently of Figma or, uh, you know, any kind of like visual design app, then I think that that's kind of like, that's that's a way to show that you can you can think about problems um and you know like if we think about things that you've solved in your own in your world like you don't have to be successful if you've gone to like your uh, your manager at uh, the the uh, graphic design studio or coffee shop you work at and said hey you know here's an idea for something and they've said uh, you know no we're not doing that we don't have budget for it like that's that's not an indication of your failure like you still went off and did that thing but like you're you're aware of the constraints the limitations you know you've produced something uh which is uh, a solution to a problem you've identified and i think that's a lot more tangible for me like to be able to say like hey you know you were in there and you kind of you found a way to learn about this problem and provide a solution than necessarily that you managed to get buy-in and somebody you know went ahead and did it um certainly like uh, you know if you're at the start of your career um, I don't think anybody's going to judge you for having ideas that don't get buy-in. Yeah, totally, and um, yeah, I completely agree. It's uh, it's, and I've heard this so many times for, from different hiring managers um, that like all these redesigns of Facebooks and everything is such a uh, yeah, not n- not a not the type of project that uh, those people appreciate to see or they would find value when evaluating a potential candidate. So definitely. Uh, most people they're looking for problem solving, like real problem solving that would really 
also illustrate what the person cares about, right? So it's going to, for yeah. example, if you try to solve something for uh, one of the values that you believe in, like sustainability or diversity or like all of those kind of uh, more, I guess, higher level and more uh, strategic ones, um, uh, that kind of also indicates that you care about this. And if there is alignment between the company values and, and the candidate, that kind of gives you extra point instead of like redesigning a Facebook app or like Nike app or something like that. And yeah, yeah, maybe maybe if you're uh, you re- redesigning Facebook to not uh, incite violence and uh, discord, you know, like that yes. that's an awesome yes. thing. If you like, but you know that that's I think that's very divorced from the idea of just like taking the existing UI and you know yeah. re- repainting it with whatever the current like uh, glass morphic trend happens to be. Yeah, you're totally right. Like redesign as a as a word describing the kind of project is probably not not the the best and clear word because it could be redesigned with the with the i guess some mission in mind like like as you say like really that doesn't incite violence uh, among users and doesn't increase the the depression rates uh, in in the country among uh, girls or something like that so that would be an interesting project actually to 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 to, to look at and to to see how the person approaches the problem um, yeah, I agree with that. Let's talk about a bit more the tactical questions uh, and um, thinking from the hiring manager point of view, like when you as a as a leader of your team and then maybe in the previous roles as well, when you were involved in interviewing uh, job seekers uh, as a designer and um, maybe even like made the decisions on like on the, the hires, uh, what does a good resume look like to you? Yeah, so I I think this is this is a matter of uh, designers designing resumes because you have to understand the the um, the constraints that the person you're sending it to is operating under. Um, so I, I I read something really great. Um, it was a um, a tweet by by uh, Orosh, uh about uh, how hiring works at like Google versus. Uh, hiring at a startup so google you know like their attrition rates are high enough that just to stay afloat they've got to hire thousands of people every year Um, and actually their processes are very much like hey let's just get people through the door have a standardized process Um, so you know if you're sending over cvs like you know you've got to fit in a a box very well but you've probably got a team of like you know there's a, a hiring ops person and there's a you know recruiter internally who's dealing with that and you know maybe there's more opportunity to to tailor that CV to really kind of stand out and, you know, make it clear. Whereas if you're, if you're applying to a startup or a scale up, you know, um, you've got one person in there and they are reviewing hundreds of candidates. I think about the last role that I, I, uh, I posted and, you know, fundamentally there are so many talented people out there, but if I have to work to find that out on your CV, then it like, it makes my life a lot harder. Um, and like, I'm doing my job at the same time. So, um, I think about like the the CVs that um, I really struggle with were the ones where uh, whether through like formatting of the tool they used, it wasn't possible to click a link on the PDF to go to their website. Their website's not really immediately obvious. Um, experience is, is not really clearly structured. So like I know above the fold is kind of like a, a contentious topic in web design. In, in CV design, above the fold is really important for me because, you know, if I can scan a cv or sort of resume if you're if you're outside the uh, the uk um and and you know say like hey there's the website right i'll open that in the background you know what is their experience how long have they been working where they've been working 
you know, for me, that's that's really valuable. And uh, it's it's quite a kind of emotional thing of being able to like, oh, you know, great. This is a an application which I can really quickly get into the meat of what somebody's looking at. Um, and I think like it's all personal preference when it comes down to the content. I'm sure every every designer who's asked, like, you know, aspiring to uh, to to interview somewhere has read, you know, things that say, hey, put all your thinking on this or, you know, hey, you know, just show the pictures of what you've done or, hey, you know, say about the team that you worked with. Um, so it, it's pretty much rolling the dice on what the person who's uh, who's interviewing or reviewing your, your folio is going to be looking for. But like for me, it's kind of a pyramid. Like, first of all, I just want to see if they're, you know, they can lay out a screen properly. So like nice, big, easy to view images of the application you've worked on. Um, absolute core to me. Like if I can see that straight away, I know like, hey, this person is at least competent. And like, you know, it's, it's dependent on the uh, the seniority you're recruiting for as well. Um, but, you know, starting off with that pyramid, like, hey, if I look at this project you've done, you know, do you know how to do this? After that, it's a matter of understanding the role in it, because, you know, unless you're a dishonest person, if you've worked in a team, you're going to say, right, OK, you know, I worked with a service designer on this and then we did this part. We did some interviews with a user researcher like that's the next kind of part of the pyramid and understanding, you know, do they work well with others? Did they work with others? Or, hey, amazingly, did they do this whole end to end project by themselves? And I think that's, you know, after you've got through those kind of like very basic things, that's when you can afford the time to maybe read a little bit about like, oh, you know, how did you do this? What did you do? Um, you know, how did you maybe hand off that work to others in your team? And again, that's a matter of, uh, you know, seniority of the role. Like if you're looking at somebody at the junior end, um, odds are, you know, it's a very kind of like prescriptive process. They've maybe done a little bit of what they're told to by the product manager. That's absolutely fine. Like, you know, we all start somewhere. Um, versus a senior where you're probably expecting them to be able to take on a lot more ownership, a lot more kind of like pushback on the requirements. Maybe the, the whole project kind of came about through some user research that they either ran or worked with a researcher on. But yeah, for me, like if I see some work and, you know, certainly if I'm recruiting for somebody who's able to do um, the kind of, I hate the term full stack, but, you know, somebody who can see a project through from like a wireframe to, to front end, then if they can't do a piece of like good looking product, then it doesn't matter if they've, you know, documented their end to end process with adorable little like sketches in a sketchbook, which a hundred percent weren't done after the fact. Um, <laughs> because like you've, you've got to show the basics to start with. Uh, that's pretty cool. So that kind of spilled over into the portfolio expectations, right? Yeah. About the images. But well, I mean, like design is a visual subject, you know, whether like even if you're a service designer, you still got to show the artifacts and things that you've created. And like, I, I think most of the, the things that you judge somebody on are are in like the, the artifacts, the portfolio, and whether that portfolio is a PDF uh, or whether it's a website. You know, like I'm, I'm not judging, I think, on like pe everybody seems to think, oh, you know, I've got to redesign my portfolio. I need to make a bespoke website. Um, I think the truth of the matter is like if you want to use Figma, if you want to use one of the off-the-shelf portfolio tools, power to you, like that's great. Um, ultimately, it's the content that matters. Um, maybe don't load, like one of the things that I've really struggled with is somebody who uh, who had something like four, you know, 44 megabyte images, um, and that definitely took a while to load. But, um, you know, if, if, you can, if you can use a tool off the shelf, great. Like I'm not expecting you to code unless, you know, that's in the job description. And um, yeah, I, what makes a good portfolio, one, one, fundamental rule that i will put out there solely because i experienced this with one candidate is don't steal stuff 
don't don't pass off other people's design as your own, especially in a very private Google Slides doc, because you know you've done it. Um, because I I fundamentally will uh, reverse image search stuff like that, and yeah, just don't do that. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that's definitely a big ethical red flag if a person does something like this. That's yeah, not not recommending doing this. Or even like misrepresenting your role uh, when you work in a team, right? So that happens a lot, actually. Um, especially what I've seen like with junior folks, like especially when they have like a, a team project, but they kind of minimize the roles of others. And it looks like there's like everybody, they did everything themselves, which um, when you start asking questions, that's actually not the reality. And kind of a bit uh, misleading at, le- at, at the very least. And also quite... Yeah, uh, harms the the image and the and potentially the reputation factor. And uh, how can you trust this person uh, with the next project? Like if they uh, are not completely transparent with with some basics like that. Yeah, no, I mean absolutely. And like if you're applying for the you know that that first designer position and you're getting interviewed by a non-designer, you know maybe maybe that works. But if you're applying into a team or if you're you know if you're speaking to another designer, and um, being able to work together, being able to, to collaborate is a fundamental part of any role. And actually, like you should be bigging up the fact that, especially at the junior level, that you worked with others. You should be really showing that you're not somebody who uh, you know, disappears into Figma for a week and, and emerges at the other end with some screens. Like <laughs> I that you know, to me, like as as a junior, you should be saying, Hey, you know, uh I managed to uh to sit down for, you know, 30 minutes every week with uh the senior or lead on this project. And, you know, I went off and chatted to the product manager and hey, you know, fair enough, all these designs are just like based on stuff that they suggested, but they're consistent, they're coherent, and I learned all this stuff. Like to me, that would be a very like humble kind of person who can say, I learned all this stuff and I made a better design as a result of it. Yeah, I agree. Expectations of a of a junior or entry level folks is definitely more focused on the learning and like that they are open to learning and they uh, really absorbing all these new methods and um, best practices and skills and all that stuff versus the other folks. Uh, I mean, the, the higher level. So that's totally, totally the same from my experience. Yeah. Um, I really loved. I really loved the phrase that you said about like disappearing in Figma for a week. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll adopt this as my status in Slack uh, from time to time. It's really cool. <laughs> yeah, yep. just uh, yeah. What is it? Well, I mean, we've got uh, we've got the audio chat now in Figma, so uh, you know maybe it's a little bit harder to do. Cool. Okay, so um, maybe one more question uh, from the kind of interview process. Um, theme is design exercises and like take take home exercises and like the expectations that many companies have of those uh the vast majority of the interview processes processes that i have seen or have heard of is they have some kind of step to really understand how the candidate can design stuff like in it's it could be like real-time whiteboarding session or it could be take home design exercises and both options have their pros and cons I'm curious to hear your thoughts on, uh, yeah, either of the like both of these um, bigger options, and uh, maybe maybe there is a better way. How, what do you think is the the best way to do this? Because um, both current options that they have seen there kind of exclude some segment of um, of uh, of the audience of the applicants for various reasons. So 
it's it's a very I guess debatable topic right now, and uh, at least in my, on my end here. And um, I'm curious to hear what you think would be a better way, and what are really your overall thoughts on these. Yeah, and I, I think this comes back to our question before about the idea of you know a T-shaped designer because. You know, if you've got somebody who's specialized, and I think about like um, UX writers, uh, for example, you know, there's a lot that you can do, again, aligned against seniority when you do a task to be like, hey, you know, this is a very narrow area of the discipline. And, you know, it's maybe a lot easier to to test you in like a, you know, 30 minute, one hour uh, isolated session. So I I think if you're going to be doing um, any kind of design exercise and like, coming out straight away and saying like take-home tasks absolutely against them uh, i understand why some companies have to do them i understand the constraints that you know that operate and i also understand that for some candidates they're they're a red flag um i don't think that i'm i have the <laughs> i don't think i have the the kind of like you know they should be banned and like put into was it room 101 um but i do think that um yeah, understanding what you're testing if you're going to do a design task is is fundamental because it's a lot harder to uh, to do something if you don't have an idea of what good looks like, if you don't know what it is you're looking for. Like if you do a, a whiteboarding exercise, if you design exercise and it's, you know, hey, I read an article about it, so we're going to do it this way, then um, you're asking somebody to do a task where you don't know what success is. So I think starting backwards from what does a good candidate look like? What should their output look like? How do we know that this works? And designing your task around that output really helps you to understand the timeframes, understand the, the constraints. You know, Is this something we're doing in Miro? Is this something we're doing in Figma? Um, are they gonna get access to the task beforehand? Should they come prepared? All these kinds of things. Um, I think the other part of it as well is that you have to accept that some candidates are gonna ignore the constraints you offer. And actually, if you're doing something that's uh, that's a take-home task, you can say, "Don't spend more than an hour on this." You can say, "You know, hey, uh, this should only take you this time." People are absolutely going to uh, going to try and do more than that because, well, first of all, like, hey, I think most designers love exceeding expectations, <laughs> and also, it's a competitive market. There is no second place for a job, so that I, I think operating within that understanding and knowing that you know you can't create a fair playing field if it's a take-home task really pushes you into like having to do something within the constraints of like a a single session and then you've got to think about accessibility you know is this something which works for people who are hard of hearing is it working for somebody who uh you know maybe is on a bad connection um as a remote first company i think that you know these kinds of uh whiteboarding exercises really need to concentrate much more on something that you can do without having to to draw or without having to like jump into Miro or, or Figma because um, you know trying to maintain a call and a Figma board at the same time on a, a, a poor connection um, is a big ask. Um, but yeah, like I, I think the reason that I'm probably like prevaricating a lot with this answer is that I don't know. I don't want to do design tasks. I feel like they're, to me, they're kind of an admission of failure. Like, if you've not got the answers you want from somebody's folio and from the questions you're asking them, I'm not convinced you're going to get a good result from a very generalized design exercise. If it's an attempt to just have like a step in your interview process, like a thing that you can go back and say, uh, you know, here's 
uh, here's a really clear like example of how we know this is the right candidate. If you're a big company, maybe they're more important because you you know you, you're interviewing a lot of people and it is massively like, hey, we've got picked between these 30 candidates who are all pretty much equal. So we want to have a lot of data points. I think at a, a startup scale up scale, I don't think they're as important because I, I just think that you know you're you're not going to get information you couldn't get from just talking to somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. But it's a really good point uh, that um, uh, you brought up about that. Uh, even if you tell them the expectations, like that, don't spend more like four hours on this or like eight hours or whatever. That lots of people will spend more time, and I've been in these shoes myself uh, early in my career. That when I could spend like the whole night before the deadline, because just like I had some other commitments and like my day job and all the kind of family obligations, that I just could not kind of do this uh, or like devote a specific time during the day. But thinking from the, I guess, diversity and inclusion point of view, right? So not every person would be able just physically to kind of have the the luxury of spending so much time or like more time than, than others would, right? So it's already could create this imbalance of if they have some, uh, I know, family to care about and it's already kind of minimizing their um their the the chances that um they could uh, win this particular step so it's definitely lots of i guess additional um under the surface constraint not constraints but uh issues with this approach that um, i'm sure lots of companies don't um think about um as much when they decide to use this method as a as a step in the process completely yeah. agree Awesome. Okay, so I think that uh, that covers all the questions that I had for for this conversation for today. Um, really appreciate all the insights and um, sharing your point of view. Loved a bunch of interesting, um, uh, yeah, points of view here that you shared. Um, and if uh, the last point, uh, the if somebody wants to to chat with you and like maybe connect uh, online and uh, just maybe follow what you do online, um, where can they find you? Yeah. So. Uh... I uh, I think probably Twitter is the best place to uh, to to find me for any kind of uh, like just casual chats. Uh, so I'm uh, Chuckle underscore Hound. Um, I have tried to change it. Somebody else is uh, is sitting on Chris Bear. So <laughs> one day I'll get that. Uh, if you work at Twitter and want to give me that, and you know, hey, uh, I'm I'm not gonna not gonna turn it down. Uh, obviously LinkedIn if you want to find me there. But um, I I think you know uh, just for like. Casual shooting the breeze. Twitter is always my my preference there. And hey, kind of trying to reclaim it back from being a, a depressing place. <laughs> sounds good. Uh, sounds good, Chris. Thank you. Thank you again for your time and uh, for bringing all these insights um, to the audience. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure chatting. And I think that you know this is a such a valuable topic. So uh, hopefully this uh, this has been useful to to somebody. And yeah, if uh, if you ever want to talk about any of the things I brought up, I'm more than happy to cover them in more detail. Excellent. Cheers, Chris. Have a lovely day. Thank you. That's it for today. Uh, thanks for watching, and I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, like, share, subscribe, all the jazz, and uh, have a wonderful day. <laughs>